Hello friends, we're back on this feed to discuss, debate, and maybe argue about the 2024 Oscars. As was the case last year, the nominees were announced and it turns out we've got a lot of work to do. 2023 was a stellar year for movies. Many important figures of Hollywood made interesting films and there was a very worthy list of nominees. Imagine a year where Michael Mann, Ridley Scott, and David Fincher all made long gestating passion projects and not a single one received a nomination. For those new to the feed, welcome and thank you for joining. My name's Matt, I'm a teacher, I'm a film lover and I take this all very seriously. And with me will be my wife, Christina, who's also a teacher and much more interested in reading and human interaction and has a much more lighthearted approach to this. Together, we're going to examine each of the 10 nominated films and offer our explanations for why each film could win an Oscar on the big night. We won't always agree, we will veer off track, and we may spar verbally on our takes, hence our honey title. We're so happy you're listening, and we hope you enjoy the return of Ballot Boxing. Hi, Matt. Hello. <laughs> I'm a bit worried about having to recap this movie. It was very lengthy and detailed. Oh, I don't I don't think it's going to be a problem. I think if we just explain what happens in each of the three acts, hmm. um, I'd be happy to interject, as right, I always then. do. You may have to. Um, what did we watch? Oppenheimer. Mm, we should probably introduce the movie. Oppenheimer. Mm-hmm. Or Oppie. Oppie, Oppie. yes. Uh, based on the book American Prometheus by... Kai Bird and which you read didn't read which I am, you own. I we I got it for my birthday and I am, in November. I am thirty pages in. Oh. It's it is a it is a dense and difficult read. Right. Um, there's a lot there. Mm. Um, and the book uh, describes his entire life mm-hmm. from from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. It actually describes his parents first. Um, very detailed biography then. Very detailed. When you're successful or famous enough to require a not only a, a biography, but a biography that talks about your parents. Yeah. That's really impressive. It's a tome. It's like 800 pages and it's very small font. Um, and uh, I, I intend to read it. I've read I've read larger books than that. Mm-hmm. And uh, okay. I'll get through it. Oh, a little flex weird, here. Weird flex. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I just, um, it's, a, it's about finding the time. Yeah. We're finding the time. I'm surprised I found the time to see this movie twice. Oh my god, it is so long. You know what, though? It didn't seem we watched it all in in basically one sitting. We had to take a pause to deal with the kids, but like it was basically it was one night and it did not seem like a three hour movie to me. I'm just realizing that as we're talking about it, like it it did not seem breathlessly paced. It's long, but it goes fast. Yes, covers a lot. Mm -hmm. It's um, like some movies you like really, it's not that you're bored or that they seem overlong. But you can feel the three hours. Yeah. If I had watched this and hadn't known it was three hours, I would have been like, eh, like two ten. When I think, when I finished, I would have been like, you know, I didn't. It didn't feel like three hours to me. It's almost like a mini series played at one point five speed. Yes. Right. Like yes. it's actually about four and a half hours no worth of content. No wonder I liked it because I always think that like like audiobooks and podcasts, I should be able to speed up movies just a tiny little bit. Yeah. I wouldn't one, miss anything. This one's moving very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost like I'm going to do a film nerd thing here. No, it's almost no. like Godard in Breathless, where he just edited out anything that was unnecessary and just it became, and now we're here, now we're doing this, and mm-hmm. now this is happening. Mm-hmm. And Nolan does that thing where one conversation continues in multiple settings, mm-hmm. 
which is just showing off mm-hmm. your editing prowess and stuff. But it's in this case, like it, it gives you the sense that you're a conversation starts at the beginning mm-hmm. and three hours later it ends mm-hmm. and nobody ever stops to pause and, and think there's hardly any quiet moments in this movie. There's always somebody talking and this is a people in rooms talking movie. Mm-hmm. Um, which I generally like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no action, really. It's just conversations. There's one big action. Yes. We need to come back to the editing later on, so let's not forget to do that. Okay. Um, and I want you to tell your story about the first time you saw this movie. Because last night we watched it with our fancy surround sound in our basement on our big screen on our couch. Like, that was the movie viewing experience. Kind mm-hmm. of like kind of like the best, the best home theater experience that we could Possible. expect to yeah. have. It was rattling the house to the extent that it freaked the dog right out. The dog still freaked out. Yeah. Um, a lot of bass. A lot of bass. Lot of... It, turns out, it turns out there's a lot of bass in nuclear bombs. And you, the first time you saw it, that was different. Very yeah, different experience. You were, you were in Italy. I was gallivanting around the world. Yes. And uh, very graciously, Tom and Leanne. Uh, friends had, of the pod. Friends of the pod. <laughs> had us up to the cottage and, and uh, Tom and I went and saw Oppenheimer uh, at a tiny little theater mm-hmm. two screen theater basically Bracebridge, summertime Ontario. theater cottage yeah. theater which is um it's like a long corridor the, yeah. the theater mm-hmm. and the screen relatively speaking is quite small and the sound was sort of underwhelming mm-hmm. and it was stuffy and it felt longer mm-hmm. than than it did last night mm-hmm. when the movie ended i was like oh would you look at that we're done mm-hmm. um and the third act which i thought dragged the first time i saw it mm-hmm. felt tighter mm-hmm. um i think it helps having seen it once to know who the characters are and what their sure. motivations are a little bit mm-hmm. um but yeah it was it was an interesting experience seeing it in that i did not see it in the imax as it was intended mm-hmm. i saw it um it was almost the equivalent of like watching it on a phone with your hand held out at a mm-hmm. distance right the screen was quite small that's a good analogy yeah yeah all right so plot oh, when boy. i i can i mean again it's it's complicated if you want to introduce every character and name every name. Well, the only but if one you want to... I don't need to name every name. The only one that I want to really talk, uh, the only one that I want to make sure I include is uh, is Florence, because man, like I, I might be switching teams. <laughs> Florence Florence was like really good looking in this. Yeah, extra good looking. I just kept thinking like Zach Braff, good work, good work hanging onto that for as long as you did. Um, I think COVID was a factor. They they couldn't escape. They one were another. stuck together. Yeah. Um, okay. So they had all the money in the world. She couldn't didn't have to be with him. She didn't want to be. No. I, I like that it's amicable and they're still friends. Yeah. And like also good for him. Uh, okay. So we started off with Robert Downey Jr. Not looking like Robert Downey Jr. at all. Uh, preparing to be confirmed for a Senate seat in the cabinet state, cabinet position in the states. And, and he's before a Senate committee. He's before a Senate committee. They're asking him about his relationship with Oppenheimer. That is the lens through which we are seeing this story. And then it bobs back and forth between his Senate or his uh, cabinet co- confirmation hearing and uh, Oppenheimer's life. And so Oppenheimer is our main scientist and he starts off and he's in England at Cambridge. Yep. Um, and is sort studying of studying physics, studying physics, but isn't great in the lab and is sort of like a you know, like very, like obviously very brilliant, but also seemingly somewhat troubled. Um, and we meet like all the famous physicists of the time. Uh, and he does end up going to some different locations around Europe, including Germany. Um, ends up back in the States at what university? Uh, Berkeley. Berkeley. And uh, is sort of, is it uh, putting in a, 
physics lab there, mm-hmm. the, the foremost physics lab. Theoretical physics lab. Theoretical physics. Yeah. Quantum and, physics. Sure. And uh, stuff I don't understand. And um, we have many, many characters. He has Josh Hartnett for a sort of teaching colleague and partner. Einstein's there. And this is where we introduce younger Robert Downey Jr. prior to his political aspirations, um, who is the, what, like president of the university? No, see, they, you're mixing up the timelines. There's, there's like three distinct timelines here. Um, the, the incident where we see them meet, mm-hmm. where Downey Jr.'s characters, Strauss, Strauss mm-hmm. and, and uh, Oppenheimer meet, it's after the bomb's been built and tested. And uh, Oppenheimer's working for the Atomic Energy Commission, and Strauss is the, the leader of it. And it's that's long after we see him at school. When he meets him at the university and he says, this is your office, and he walks down to the pond and meets Einstein. That's after the bomb's been dropped. Well, I didn't understand that at all until this moment. Yeah. Oh, this is stupid. Why yeah. does it happen at the beginning of the movie? Is that like a Nolan like gotcha? It's a Nolan gotcha? thing. Nolan never tells anything linearly. He messes with timelines. He messes with... The, the order well, I'm not in which telling the... the story of this movie then. Okay, Oppenheimer so... built the stupid nuclear bomb. He had a wife that was, <laughs> <laughs> he had a wife that was educated and had to stay home and be a housewife because everything sucks for women. Re Barbie. <laughs> See Barbie. And um, <clears throat> they built a nuclear bomb and then ultimately he regretted it. End of story. That's okay, where I'm at. So Christine's ready to tap out of the podcast. You should see this face right now. <laughs> That's just ridiculous. You're unhappy. I did not understand that that was after the bomb. I thought that was when he was hiring him. He was hiring him to sit on the Atomic Energy Commission uh, and run his run continued research in developing the H-bomb. Uh, um, I thought he didn't want to do the H-bomb. He didn't want to do the H-bomb. Okay. And that's when... Are the, you sure? Yes, positive. Uh, I've seen it twice. No, I, I know that. Yeah. I just, I don't... No, the, when, when we uh, meet him, he's a student at Cambridge. Yes. And he's, he's going to run the world. And then he goes to Berkeley. Yeah. UC Berkeley, where he's... Um, you know, rises quickly and, and, and he's running into... And is dabbling in communism. Dabbling in communism. Important for later. Yeah, and and um, sort of runs up against some of his colleagues who don't like the sort of union activities that are happening among the faculty that he's sort of tangentially connected to. Mm-hmm. He connects with Florence Pugh, who's a communist sympathizer. And good. But then and- uh, an opportunity develops to start working on the Manhattan Project because the Nazis are winning the war. The mm-hmm. war has started. And um, they, they're worried about the Nazis getting the bomb first, and they're not willing to bring Oppenheimer into the project and lead the project until he separates himself from his communist sympathizers, right. yes. his sympathies. And then that's that's Act One. Act Two is like getting the team together and building the thing and testing it. And then Act Three is the aftermath and him dealing with his conscience and the inquiry into whether or not he's communist ties or dangerous but that's happening many years after the bomb's been dropped that's happening in 1954 it's like nine years later but i thought we should take a quick break and then we'll, we'll come back all right i thought that when he's giving him the tour of the offices and then he goes down and he meets Einstein by the pond and then Einstein ignores Robert Downey Jr. and Robert Downey Jr. thinks it's all about him. That that it was that it was during that project that he met Josh Hartnett. No. Oh. 
No, they're at different. But that does happen at the beginning of the movie. It happens at like the beginning of the movie. That scene happens it, in the first third correct, of the movie. Correct, it does, but that it's not told, told sequentially. Because we're simultaneously. Nolan with... sucks. He's, I I don't like him as a director. Here's why. I fine. The Dark Knight's a good movie. That he didn't mess the timeline in that one. But like, Tenet was impossible to follow. So was what's with Leonardo? Inception. That one was really difficult to follow as well. And with this one, like that messes up my whole understanding of the story. And I'm I don't have three hours to spend it again. Also, he was sensitive about being made fun of by a Peloton instructor. I don't like him. That's it. I'm done with no more okay. movies. Go so I'll, I'll just be talking to myself for the next 18 no, I'll, minutes. I'll, mm-hmm, and uh-huh, uh-huh. But that's it. Yeah. That's, that's... As you swipe through TikTok. Dumb. Um, yeah. So the, the idea is that straws. Why did he put that scene there then? Because it's foundational to his un- undoing later on. Oppenheimer was the, the star of the physics world. He had all the power. Uh-huh. Straws as the chair of the atomic energy commission which was going to oversee the, the development of all the nuclear program and the weapons development in the Give United me a States. Year on that. This is, this is post world war two. And I believe that it was established in the late forties mm. as the cold war began to develop. Mm. NATO had formed the United nations forms. Um, he, all of the talks around the table are about the, the development of the H bomb. Mm. Right. And why things aren't going faster. Do you know how many other people in the world? uh, This is me sounding rather conceited, I'm sure. But like, do you understand how many other people would have that wrong? Do you think that that was like an easy thing to miss? You have to know that this is one. this is one of the, you know, why, why I don't think it could win. Okay. And we can get there quickly if you like, is that it really helps to have done your homework. Mm -hmm. And most people aren't going to, this is precisely nobody's going to do their homework. I don't think it loses as much as you're um, implying right now if you if you don't have that sequence clear in your head. Mm. I think that Strauss and um, Oppenheimer may have been known to one another beforehand, but mm. maybe I'm maybe I'm confusing things. Mm. Um, but that's what it comes down to is that Strauss wanted power and was mm-hmm. sort of a grasping politician. Mm-hmm. Oppenheimer refused to play the political game Mm -hmm. and was respected, I think, did not have contempt for what he had created Mm -hmm. and and was not being overly familiar with it. He was actually saying like, this is what we've created should be the reason nobody ever fights ever again. Mm -hmm. But instead, Strauss was among a group of politicians who were interested in wielding that weapon Mm -hmm. um, to to thwart communism, to thwart uh, any sort of aggression elsewhere in the world and protect the United States mm-hmm. operating out of a different type of fear. Yes. I thought and, the big aha was that Strauss was, Strauss was bad. That's what I, th- I thought. That was like the big, like, Oh, Oh, he's not a good guy. Yeah. And that's always, that's, that's a, that's a Nolan thing, right? Mm-hmm. Is, oh, you thought that was good. That guy was good. It's Ra's al Ghul. Oh, you thought mm-hmm. that guy was good. No, it turns out he's double crossing. You mm-hmm. No, you thought that guy was good. Turns out he's his own twin, mm-hmm. right? No, uh, Carrie and Moss is bad. Like, every, I'm spoiling everything. Yeah, here. that was a lot but like of spoiling. That's, that, he loves to do that. Yeah. Pull the rug out from under you. Mm-hmm. Oh, you, you land on, on that planet in Interstellar and you think Matt Damon's going to help you? Nope. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, turns out he's insane. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, just, just I'll spoil everything here. Yeah. So, like, the identity and the motivations of people, it's always, there's always, like, a last 10-minute reveal under, mm-hmm. like, a throbbing, pulsing score. We didn't do a very good job of summarizing the movie, Matt. 
Well, again, it's it's complicated. It's like hugely complicated, but it's also very simple. Mm-hmm. He made right? the bomb. Yeah. Young physicist rises to prominence, um, ends up leading the Manhattan Project to build the atomic weapon mm-hmm. that's used at Hiroshima and Nagasaki at the end of the Second World War. And then his crisis of conscience and his um, previous political, previous leanings. political leanings lead to his removal from the Atomic Energy Commission. And he, he's essentially excommunicated from the scientific community for those reasons. And he lived out the rest of his days struggling with the guilt of what he had done. Mm-hmm. That's really the film. Okay. Right. So that's, I just feel like we needed a summary. We're 15 minutes into this episode. Done. All right. Bang that out. Okay. So why, why could it win best picture? Because Americans love movies about Americans and they love movies about heroic Americans, especially fairly recent heroic Americans. And they love it when an international actor, excuse me, plays an American. It's like, oh, they've come to us. That's nice. Mm-hmm. And and you've got, is Emily Blunt American? She's no. not, right? So you've got more than one really well-respected, famous international actor playing an American, a heroic American, a recent heroic American. It's going to win everything. I'll tell you right now. Okay. My money's on this. Even though I didn't like it, didn't love it, and now I don't like it less because it made me feel stupid, I, it's going to sweep. I think that's Nolan's motivation. Honestly, is to like flex intellectually on everybody. Yeah. So don't feel like you're the only one that was flex duped. Into, yeah. So we've got a director here who wants to flex intellectually, but can't handle it when a Peloton instructor says she didn't like one of his movies. I just like to put that in there. Yeah. Again. Yeah. Well, it's, I just want to explain the, the, the story. Like, which instructor was it? Jen Sherman, the first Peloton instructor ever, uh-huh. who's like a fifty-something-year-old, maybe late forties-year-old, like. You know, oh. she's a spin instructor, but like super fit, just regular lady. Okay. And I don't think she was the first person okay. to say that Tenet was. So you a think it could time. win for Americana? Absolutely. Any other reasons? It's, it's more than Americana, but yes. Okay. Um, if we're just laying it down, any other reasons? I, you and I both pointed out the ed- editing wasn't great. The cinematography is amazing. The visuals are amazing. The acting's really good. There's editing that's like that isn't good, and then there's editing that is good. Yeah. The, the editing that is good is the again that ongoing conversation mm-hmm. and the sort of continuity of plot mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense but there are like glaring small continuity M- minor errors. yes yeah like we noticed uh somebody's tie knot moving around or and, the length and, of a lit cigarette and changing. hair yeah and hair hairstyles yeah like like a like a flip one way turns into a flip the other way in the very next shot um so yeah uh but i don't know that that's going to be that big of a deal uh, i i like i said i think it's going to win so Okay. Yeah. Well, it's nominated for the, I think it's the most nominated. It is. 13. Yeah. 13. Which I think is just one less than the most nominated movie That's of right. all time, right? It's 14? Is, yeah. Titanic That's or right. Ben-Hur or something like that. I think, I think it's okay. it tied. Well, let me run, I'll run through my list of, uh, while, while you're Googling how many nominations. Um, why can win is because it's, it's technically astounding. I think that the editing makes it feel like it's one unbroken conversation. I think mm-hmm. that's like pretty hard to do. Make one interesting conversation that lasts for roughly three hours. Um, and within reason, you can actually keep all the, 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 the huge cast of characters straight. Mm-hmm. Um, so they all have Which is a, a real moment. success. Yeah. I, with the exception of like Rami Malek, not really being clear what, what his motivations were. Yes. Um, you know, otherwise. Uh, and I think that uh, the tension in the Trinity test, the countdown, uh, those two minutes when they're waiting to push the button and make it happen mm-hmm. um, was like really, really, really good. And I also thought the edit 
and the use of sound in the uh, where the third act starts, which is after the bomb's been dropped, and he yes. does that little address in that gymnasium. Yes. And, and starts to feel the effects of like, oh my God, what have I done? Yeah. What did this do to people? The sound cuts out Ooh, the way the, uh, the character, powerful. the crowd is behaving. They become almost like animalistic yeah. um, and deranged. Yeah. Right. Like he goes from wanting to help these people and they're, they're all part of a community he's built to being, he's repulsed by mm-hmm. what he's created. I thought like that, his reckoning with his internality there was, was good. And I thought Killian Murphy, was really, really good. Yeah, me too. Um, I don't think he's the best acting performance of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, Who does we, that go to, Matt? Right now, I would give it to to um, uh, Paul Giamatti. Oh, um, that's not who I thought you were going to say. No, and with Jeffrey Wright mm. closely behind. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Killian Murphy's very good, and he's got a lot to do here. And he plays you know, a man throughout his entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I thought that he just had the right look. He was haunted and mm-hmm. driven. And, but also egotistical. They gloss over some of his uh, peccadilloes, which we shall say. Yes. Um, he was more of a womanizer than they let on here. Yeah. More of a drinker. And Well, and, and they it, they do let on to those things. Yeah. But not not in great detail. Not to the extent, yeah. No. Um, I have a couple more. Uh, should we take a quick break? Well, and then we're going to have to because you only got 20 seconds and you got two more points there. Yeah. All right. We'll be right back. <laughs> why it won't win no these are a couple more white oh white boy cans. supporting okay. cast is really good very robert downey jr um reminding us that he's an actor mm-hmm. and not just iron man mm-hmm. not just a glib guy but did you read uh, that interview in the times where him and nolan were interviewed no oh it's good yeah. it's a good one yeah it's about how when nolan met uh him he was still on drugs and so he was like afraid of like no one was afraid of robert downey jr he was like oh I'm, I, do, I would never cast him in a movie because he's just too much of a of a risk um and now they're like bffs yeah i don't think there's any way robert downey jr is not winning the best supporting actor no oscar here they just hollywood loves a reclamation story i can't see them yeah but haven't they already i thought that he already had his reclamation oscar no he hasn't won anything no no not ever? No, because he spent the last decade making Marvel films, essentially. Right. He did a couple of Sherlock Holmes, and he did the Doolittle one. But... So, can I just tell you who's yeah. nominated? It's Sterling K. Brown for American Fiction, who's good but not good enough to win. Yeah. Robert De Niro, Killers of the Flower Moon. Haven't seen it yet. You'll, don't yeah, want, you'll don't see. want to talk about it. You'll see. Uh, Robert Downey Jr., Ryan Gosling for Barbie. Yeah. If he wins, he might give it to Robert Downey Jr. He's like... In what sense? Well, Ryan... Hand him the Oscar? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. I've heard that that Ryan Gosling thinks that it's ridiculous that Barbie has been nominated for all of these awards. He couldn't believe that they won the Golden Globes, like Mm. all that stuff. And Mark Ruffalo for Poor Things, which you did not like that performance. Yeah, I didn't like that performance at all. So like out of those five, it seems seems like sort of shallow fishing, you know, like it's, it's gotta be him. RDJ. Okay. But I also thought that um, Jason Clark... In this movie, he's playing that the, the counselor, the lawyer, the lawyer yeah, Rob. Yeah, he's good. Was really good. I thought yeah. Matt Damon was outstanding. Hideous, Leslie Groves. ugly Matt Damon. That, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh God, what happened to his face? If you haven't seen, listener, dear listeners, if you have not seen the trailer for the Oscars, you must go now. Pause this podcast and go and watch the trailer for the Oscars with Jimmy Kimmel and uh, Kate the, McKinnon. The Kimmel Damon Barbie. thing is one of the greatest bits in comedy history. So funny. Yeah. The whole thing is so funny, and and Gosling makes an appearance at the end. Yeah, I thought uh, Emily Blunt. On second viewing, yes. there was more depth to the character than I realized the first time through. Yeah, not that either one of us have time, but friend of the pod, Greta, 
uh, told me that she's the worst part of Oppenheimer because she's so miserable through the whole thing. And I totally get that. But I had a different perspective where I just kept thinking like how horrible it would have been to be her that but the way when she introduces introduces herself and says, I'm a botanist, but now I've been promoted to or demoted to housewife. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, and then like how she is with the kids and how she is with the first baby. Well, she's, and, she's a drunk and she's been married four times. And well, yeah, but like it like she's an unhappy person because of what the box society has put her. But into. they also like Nolan in order to, you know, the edit is tight in this case. Mm -hmm. He doesn't leave any room for any nuance in her character. She She's one note as a result of the screenwriting and the editing. I don't think it's her performance. I think her character is, I didn't isn't find given her, enough to do. I didn't find her to be one note. I found Florence <clears throat> to be one note, which I agree. Like what you just said, I would apply to Florence much more than Emily Blunt. Emily Blunt, I could have some empathy for because I was like, man, that really would have sucked. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, why it probably won't win? I'm ready. Why it couldn't? Why the reasons why it won't could not win? I think it will. Yes. Um, but if it wasn't going to, these would be the reasons. But although why. this is not like we did, we'll, we'll talk about like the our final our list because yes. we didn't do it at the last pod episode. Um, I don't personally put Oppenheimer at the top of the list. Me neither. Um, but uh, it sounds, by all accounts, like it's it's a it's a done deal. Mm -hmm. Although you have other opinions about this. I just realized that I like slagged Americans and we have American listeners. I'm sorry, American listeners, especially the ones that are my friends. I just do think Americans love Americans. Like I think that they're very like, they're obviously a patriotic people. All right. I hope not. Yeah. I hope I wasn't offensive. I just realized that. Yeah. Credit That's be a, my friend still. You can't help what your mother did to you. <laughs> yelling, yelling in the Vatican about not being one. <laughs> Greta was there for that. Yeah. So, um, so the movie's long. Okay. It's over long. And, and a lot of people have problems with the third act. I actually find the third act quite compelling. Compelling. Absolutely. But there's some who are like, wait a minute, this isn't about the bomb anymore. This uh, isn't about blowing stuff up anymore. It's not about physics anymore. Mm -hmm. Now it's about morals and ethics mm -hmm. and um, morality. Like mm -hmm. I, I don't, I don't feel good about it. Um, I think the Nolan-ness uh, that you uh, spoke about is mm -hmm. a problem. Um, he holds cards back. He doesn't, he doesn't tell you he needs to have, uh, the upper a, hand. A third act um, surprise, mm -hmm. uh, which isn't great. I think he underwrites women. I don't think he's ever had a good, strong female character mm -hmm. in any of his films. Mm -hmm. um, he's had great actors, mm -hmm. great, great actors in a lot of his films. Mm -hmm. um, he's in Marion Cotillard and um, uh, Jessica Chastain and Anne Hathaway. and um, uh, When when Elliot Page is Ellen yeah, Page. Um, yeah. You know, and, and, like... He's had he's had good Hectors, mm -hmm. and then he gives him nothing to do. Mm -hmm. Or in the case of Florence Pugh in this film, mm -hmm. gives her a, a lot to do in three scenes, mm -hmm. and she and no clothes. Yeah, um, but doesn't give her the space she deserves, mm -hmm. and that's one of the questions I have for you later. I also think it's a very masculine film. Okay. And so while I think that the like the I was going to mention that the you know the danger of nuclear war in 2024 mm -hmm. and beyond. Um, but even it's it's timely right now mm -hmm. with the threats in the world and so on. That it's I think that the masculineness of this is it may be divisive uh, to viewers or voters who are inclined towards Barbie or mm -hmm. a more feminine story. Mm -hmm. So I think that 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 could be some votes may get pulled away toward Barbie mm -hmm. by female voters or or you know voters who are supportive of feminism. Or like this is a very masculine movie. Mm -hmm. I think that I might be reaching, but mm -hmm. I think those are reasons why. 
So I have some questions. I'm ready. Okay. Did you notice or care that the ratio, aspect ratio changed between IMAX and standard? Did not. Did you even notice? No, I did not. Yeah. So there's, there's, he filmed like 85% of it with IMAX cameras and oh. that filled our screen. Right. But then there were occasional scenes and sequences that were filmed in 220 to one, which is the low, real widescreen aspect ratio. Mm. So like the, the bands at the top mm -hmm. and bottom came and went. You did not, notice did it. not notice. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, so you didn't notice. Uh, I, I didn't care particularly. Okay. I don't think many people would notice or care, mm -hmm. but I wondered if you noticed. Um, is this a little too Forrest Gump of quantum mechanics? He was uh... there for everything. He meets all these famous people. He crosses paths with presidents. I don't know. He's not like, he's awkward. But here's he's... Niels Bohr. Here's Albert Einstein. I know, Einstein. I know. I get what here's you're Harry saying. Truman. I get what you're saying, but I don't think it's too much that way. No. I think it's just, that was the life he actually led. So I think it was a fictionalized story. It would, it would um, possibly cross into that territory, mm -hmm. but I don't think it does because it's all true. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming it's all true. Okay. Uh, a grim question. Oh God! Let's let's get serious here All for a right, second. Let's... Do you feel like Oppenheimer's final personal revelation, what he says to Einstein, was correct? Did he set in motion a chain reaction that will kill everybody? No, I think we'll do ourselves in first. Don't don't. You said grim. Yeah, but don't you think that the way we do our you think it's like like climate change is going to yes. do it? We're not going to blow ourselves up. We don't have time to blow no, ourselves up. That's right. Already... That is correct. Okay. Yes. Um. Interesting. It'll be a disease because Mother Nature will wipe us out because we're overpopulated, or it'll be climate change so, and we'll we'll have. But that all comes down to hubris, oceans. right? That all comes down to hubris. It comes yes. down to like us messing with science, us messing messing with the the nature of the universe, and and doing things that humans weren't intended to do, and therefore, sure, bringing about our end. It, I don't think it'll be a nuclear holocaust. I think that's the way we're gonna go. Okay. Okay. Um, did we need a better Einstein? actor no we need i thought a he was name fine i thought he was good too i thought it was important that i actually thought i read in the in the trivia that nolan cast uh recognizable actors in many of the roles in order to help the audience keep it straight which i thought was really good uh like a smart way to do it i thought it was important he didn't cast someone recognizable as einstein because like einstein the look of einstein is recognizable on its own mm -hmm. so that was yeah i thought it was good okay i couldn't even tell you who was playing him but it was good um Am I nuts or is Matt Damon a great actor? He's a great actor. Isn't he? Yeah. For all, and I don't understand, I've always said this to you, I don't understand why he gets made fun of. Like I get the Kimmel thing is, is hilarious, um, but that's like a joke. Like all of the like Matt Damon, like that, what, is that from South Park? Like it's, yeah. it's really strange. He's like very undervalued. Yeah. He's got like a great everyman quality about yeah. him. And, and I think he... Relatable. Yeah, and actually is an everyman. Like he married a regular person and has a regular life and he only went, did this movie because he promised his wife he'd stay home unless Nolan called him and then Nolan called him. Like he just seems like a really lovely human being and there aren't enough of those mm -hmm. um, that we can look to. Okay. I had one more question. I don't know if we have time. Well, we're just going to have to add a little bit on here. I told you it was going to run long. All right. All right. That's fine. I knew it was going to run long. Okay. Um, would who says no to a spin-off miniseries about Florence Pugh's character? And I'm not saying that because she's naked mm -hmm. for 45 percent of her, her um, performance, but because nobody says no to that. Jean Tatlock, Tat, Tatlov, or whatever her name Tatlock. is, Tatlock was um, 
the, the center of communism in the U.S. at that point in time. Yeah, what a around, fascinating person. Yeah. And she actually played a much larger role in Oppenheimer's life. So this movie, I know I read that too. This movie doesn't give her the credit she deserves and blah, blah, blah. And you were saying that like it's better that she has an underwritten role than no role at all because she was a huge part of his life. But this movie isn't about her. It's literally called Oppenheimer. It's about him. Um, so it's not really about anybody else. I don't mind anybody else being underwritten because it's not about anyone else. That said, if there was a Tatlock miniseries, I would be in so hard on yeah. it because what a fascinating life and person she was. And then there's that implication that she gets murdered versus killing herself. Her Wikipedia. When can you miss it? Yeah, agreed. You miss it the first time. Yeah, you said. I didn't realize that that was in there the first yeah. time I saw the movie. Uh, I read her Wikipedia and it says like cause of death, suicide. And then in brackets, it says like contested. So yeah. like there is no proof, but there is like that it was an unsigned suicide note. The, the script was seemed hurried and wasn't really in her penmanship. Like there's a, there's a few things that are like a little suspicious. But I think her, her youth and the sort of communist scene um, in, in the U S pre McCarthy mm. is fascinating. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. And like the, the, the academic world she, that she was in and, mm-hmm. and, you know, the psychotherapy and the, and then the brushes with these famous individuals. Mm-hmm. Right. And like, Oppenheimer's role in her life. Mm-hmm. I'd like I'd like to see something centered around her. Yeah, I'd and like again, to, not just because of the nudity. I'd like to learn more about her. Like if there was a biography, I would read it. I think she's interesting. Yeah, no, it wouldn't be Florence playing her. I actually and like just speaking of the nudity, just for and a moment. she also wasn't that good looking in real life. Like she was no Florence Pugh in real life. She was just like regular looking lady. Who is R- exactly? Pretty, yeah, she's Jeez, pretty pretty astonishing looking. Um, the, the I thought that the nudity actually came across as fairly naturalistic. Mm. Um, you know, people are having uh, furious jumping with one another. Mm-hmm. They, like I always thought it was absurd when in the movie, like somebody, like they pull the sheets up and cover themselves. Mm-hmm. Right. And mm-hmm. it's like they're ashamed. Oh yeah. That was much more, that, that scene, those scenes. They felt familiar. They felt, uh, I thought that they were much more realistic than the way anybody spoke in this movie. You and I talked mm-hmm. about this too. Like the conversations in this movie were too like jazzy jazz, not the way anybody actually talks in real life no ums and ahs, no pauses to think just like they were saying them the way monologues, the way you would, they were saying the lines, the way you would say the lines in a conversation, but they were very clearly lines. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, but that, but the the staging of that particular scene, the only scene, the only sex scene I thought didn't fit that made no sense was when like, there's no other, Emily Blunt has no other um, hallucinations except for when she's watching Florence Pugh have sex with her husband in the, in when he's being deposed or whatever in mm-hmm. the little the little room. And I thought that didn't fit at all and was completely unnecessary. Emily Blunt is a great actress and she could have conveyed how she was feeling without having her actually watch Florence Pugh screwing her husband. Yeah. Was it, I, I wonder if it was like a shared hallucination because he's also being questioned about it and he becomes more vulnerable in having to answer the question. I just thought they're so both. So he first could, becomes. It didn't fit. Yeah. I just thought like, He's sitting there feeling naked, and then simultaneously she's imagining mm-hmm. her staring at her. But again, we're talking about two actors, great actors of their generation. They could have conveyed this that without literally having her there doing that. Even though they don't, they don't speak to each other, this is the epitome of failing the Bechdel test, right? The two women. The only thing they have in common is they're yes. They both <laughs> had sex with uh, Robert J. J. Robert Oppenheimer. Does this movie fail the Bechdel test? I think it, it does. does right? Absolutely does. 
Well, I'm just thinking about what about the female scientist that's working on the bomb? She never talks to another woman. What about Olivia Thirlby? Yes. What about is that it? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oppenheimer speaks to the the wife of mm-hmm. the one scientist at one point, but like the, the women don't speak to one another. Mm-hmm. And they certainly don't speak to each other about things that aren't related to the men in the movie. And the mm-hmm. men in the movie dominate the thing. Hence my my thing about masculinity. Mm-hmm. So I think if I'm ra- if I was to rank the films right now, I'm ready. Um, I would go the holdovers one, American fiction two. I'd go. Uh, Oppenheimer three. Mm-hmm. Then, what else have we seen? Then Barbie, I'd go Zone of Interest. Things. Okay. Zone of Interest. Mm-hmm. Barbie. Poor Things is my my least favorite of the six. I'm trying to think of what I would put at the top. I think. And um, I might. I honestly might flip Zone of Interest and Oppenheimer. Mm. Like I might have Oppenheimer and Barbie. Five, uh, four, five in my list with Poor Things at the bottom. So mine would be from the bottom up. I'm going to go from the bottom up. Oppenheimer and Barbie tied for last place, okay. whatever you want to call that. Then poor things. Then I've got three left. Yeah. Four. The holdover zone of interest in American fiction. Oh my god, it's like impossible. I think. I think, unfortunately, the holdovers, then American fiction, then zone of interest. Am I forgetting one? Have we done seven? No, we've done seven. I can't think of what the other one is, though. Oh, goodness. We have left to watch Killers of the Flower Moon, Past Mm -hmm. Lives, Anatomy of a Fall. Mm -hmm. And is that it? Yes. So what's the other movie that we watched? This is really bad. (laughs) I don't know. I'll have to edit it. I think we liked it, though. Yeah. Got it. Maestro. Maestro. That's still near the bottom for me, though. Yeah. So it's them. So it's 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 it's. The does it fit below Barbie and Oppenheimer, or is it? No. It goes above them. But just squeaks in. Right. At number whatever. Right. So tied for last place, Barbie and Oppenheimer. If I had to go, honestly, it'd be Barbie last, then Oppenheimer, then Maestro, then Poor Things, and then it's a real tough call. But it would be Holdovers. Oh, and, and it depends on the mood that I'm in. Yeah. I'm feeling grumpy, so it's zone of interest at the top. Oof. But if I was feeling, it's so powerful. And I'm going to. Uh, it's is, an art film. This is Lamer's getting to me. Because him and I talked about it, and I was like, I liked it, but I didn't like it as much as American fiction. And he said, yeah, but what's going to stick with you for five years? And I was like, damn it, you're right. It's true. In five years, I will think back on American fiction and be like, that was a great movie to ask good questions. And I will still be haunted by zone of interest. Mm. Totally different. Uh, probably American fiction still at the top. But the projection from all of my movie watching friends, I now have several, um, are is that past lives is we're going to love it. So that's tomorrow night. Yes. Can't wait. With friend of the pod, Tom. Yes. So uh, let's just take this moment to thank everybody for listening. Thank you for listening, we, especially we have, the Americans. Yeah. It, it is very flattering if you're still here. Yeah. To know that you're out there listening to us. We yeah. appreciate it. Everybody. Yeah. Thanks so much, everybody, and we'll see you next time. See you soon. See you soon. Bye for now. Bye.